0: Good to see you. Oh, man, I'm excited for today. I'm excited to wrap up our series on the house that God is building. And uh, how many of you have just enjoyed what we've gone over the last month and a half? It's been good, hasn't it? I like it. I like when God uh, just reminds us of who he is. It's easy. I, 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 this is what I know about humans, including myself. We have a tendency to just be... Uh, we just follow, right? And we get into habit and we're comfortable there. And sometimes God just needs a season to break us out of habit, get us to focus on where he's at, because sometimes he's way far ahead and we're still stuck in 1990, right? And, uh, we just need to break out of that sometimes. So I want to talk about, uh, built to stand today. Um, The house that God is building, it's been built to stand, because the house that he's building really isn't a building at all. It's people. It's you and it's me. It's followers of Jesus. We're his disciples, and he has built us. He's destined us. He's designed us to be people, as Paul said, who not only stand, but we stand firm. After we've done everything, Paul says, to stand. And so uh, I want to read from Second Chronicles chapter 20 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. It'll be up on the screens if you don't. But this is a, um, a great story with some great principles and keys for us when it comes to learning how to stand and learning how to have breakthrough and victory in our own lives and in the life of the church. So Second Chronicles 20 starts like this. The Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom. Something that leaders never like to hear. Hey, just in case you were wondering. A vast army is coming against you from the other side of the sea. It's already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved, To inquire of the Lord. If you have your Bibles and you got a pen with you, just go ahead and underline that statement. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So we're talking about a massive number of people, probably fifty to 60,000 here. It wasn't just a small church service. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend?" They have lived in it and have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. So just in case you're wondering, it kind of at first glance sounds like King Jehoshaphat is whining to God in front of 50,000 people. Are you kidding me? Vast armies, are you not the God who is, right? But what he's really doing is exercising faith. What he's really doing is getting the people to snap out of their funk and snap out of their fear and their anxiety of what do you mean, vast armies? You know how, how rumor mills go? Have you ever noticed this, whether it's on social media or the news? You ever notice how like problems, whether big or small, even when they're small, um, the fear factor and the anxiety level in people just shoots to like a level 10 instantly, right. right? Like, what do you mean there was a robbery at Safeway? Oh, yeah, gunfire, 25 pistols, and really it was just one guy that was on drugs, and they arrested him in like two seconds. And so anxiety and fear has a tendency to just want to rule and reign whenever we hear of any kind of bad news, right? Right. So what King Jehoshaphat is doing is he's standing in front of the people and he's snapping them out of the funk and he's snapping them out of the gossip column and he's saying, this is who our God is. I'm here to remind you of the history and I'm here to remind you of what God's going to do now because he he is the one who doesn't change. He is the God who brought us to this place for a reason. He's the God who drove our enemies out before us. He's the one who promised all this to Abraham. We are a part of Abraham's seed. It's not going to change for us. He's not going to leave us hanging. There's a vast army coming, but I'm just here to tell you who my God is. So stand. Life comes with vast armies, doesn't it? As much as we hate to admit it, as much as we just like to bury our heads in the sand and just think ignorance is bliss. As long as I don't know there's a war going on, maybe it won't affect me. How many of you know that's so not true? Ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom of God. There is an enemy of our souls that wants to destroy us and whether we like it or not, we are engaged in a battle from the moment we set foot on this planet. And God says, but you don't have to fear the enemy because I built you to stand. I've built you to stand firm. So, you know, we've got vast armies that come against us all the time. And those armies are not physical armies. They're spiritual battles that we're facing. And some of us in this room right now are feeling surrounded by vast army. Some of us in this room feel surrounded by a vast army of addiction. We're surrounded by vast armies of maybe an attitude that we just can't shake a perception that we just can't shake about ourselves or about the world or about the church. Jealousy, unforgiveness. Maybe you feel you just are constantly surrounded by a vast army of of a financial burden that you can't shake, a financial boundary. Maybe um, you're surrounded right now and you're feeling shaken to your core about a diagnosis, an illness, a cancer, a disease, and it comes at you and it hits you right in the face. And like Jehoshaphat, that that news causes alarm in you. But I'm here to tell you, when those vast armies come, it is okay to feel alarmed. It's okay because they're unexpected and we just never expect that those things are going to happen. But when they do, God says, what you do after the initial shock of alarm makes all the difference in the world. Some of us right now, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm happy, healthy. I got joy in my heart. Life is good. And I say, come talk to me after, please. I I need some of that. (laughs) Right? And not to be like a Mr. Downer this morning, but whether your season's rough right now or whether it's easy right now and you're just dancing in the joy of the Lord, we all know that eventually that vast army will approach our doorstep because that is just the nature of life on this planet. Things happen that are not fun, that are not good, but we are built to stand, aren't we? One thing we need to do is we got to guard against settling for a place of existence and compromise instead of pushing, pressing, moving forward to a place where those blockades that are in the way of a full and free life in the Lord are defeated. That's what his destiny is for you. Yeah, the army's going to come, but don't settle in. Don't tell yourself whenever you get the news or you're experiencing the pain or you just feel like there's this cloud over your life that's never going to move. You never have to settle to a place where you say, I guess that's just the way my life is going to be. God never called us to settle with our enemies. He told us to drive our enemies out of the land. God doesn't want you to stay stuck. He wants you to stand, He wants you to break through, and He wants you to win. That's what He designed you for. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, Though we live in the world, and the world can definitely be a mess sometimes, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, because the reality is, The wars that we face in the spiritual realm are the wars that do affect life in the physical realm. And I think Christians need to constantly be aware of that. All the stuff that's happening down here is actually happening up here. First. And so... The Apostle Paul reminds us, remember, though you are in the world and though you're experiencing the physical reality of life here and the burdens that come with that, remember that the war is up here. So make sure that you pick up the tools to fight the spiritual battle that's going on in the atmosphere above your head. But you know what that also means? Access to divine power requires divine strategy. You won't be able to fight this war in your natural mind, in your emotions, with physical weapons or tools. It's not about what's going on in the physical. It's about do you know how to fight spiritual battles with spiritual power? So I want to give us some principles today found in this account in 2 Chronicles of how King Jehoshaphat engaged himself and his nation to fight to win in the spiritual. I want to talk about three ways this morning. Standing in God's presence, standing firm in faith, and standing up against the enemy. So we'll start this morning about talking about standing in the presence of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 29, this is what the king said. He said, we will stand in your presence. Before we move any further, we will Stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. You know, some of us are too much in the habit of crying out in distress to the things that are stressing us out. The king said, man, there's a, there's, we are in distress and we will cry out to you. It's okay to be in distress. You don't have to deny that. Oh, I'm not stressed out. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, 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 it's fine. How many coffees have you had today, bro? <laughs> right? But it's because we're in the habit, in our distress, we just cry out to the things that are stressing us out. Oh, God, where's the money? Oh, God. Oh, God. What are we going to do about Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's? I hate this season. Sneaks up on us, right? It's all, it's all focused on the problem, and it's fine. You can cry out to the Lord with your problem, but what the king said is we will cry out to the Lord. Right, right. Some of us never break through in prayer because our prayer session never moves past the here's my list of grievances, God. We hit repeat on a worship song once. We list out all the stuff that's not going right and we wish we'd have breakthrough in. And then we shut the music down and we go to work. Or we go take a shower and God's like, okay, we, uh, you didn't even give me a chance. Like, I appreciate the list, but I already had the list, right? right? We, we got to learn how to break through in a different way. So we will stand in the presence of the Lord. Lord. It says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. That's where prayer moves to power. It's, Lord, you know all the things. You know about the vast armies. You know about the battle. And so I am just here to get your wisdom. I'm here for no other agenda but to sit in your presence and hear what you would say in this situation. And it says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. And then, I love what it says a few verses down, the king declares, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. we got to place a high value on hearing the voice of God in our life. When we don't know what to do, instead of bowing to our stress and our anxiety and our fear and our unbelief and all the unknowns, We need to cry out, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are going to stay focused on you. See, because we will invest in the things that we value. And today, God is thinking about you. He has plans and desires and dreams for your future that he is waiting to reveal as you seek his face and you wait to hear what he has to say over your life. Position your life to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I got no other agenda today. The only thing that I need more than anything else is your voice in my life. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. See, what we choose to look at will get magnified in our life. That's why... Psalm 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. David, that's his heart cry. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt Him. You can't make the Lord any bigger than He already is, can you? Because the Bible says He's from eternity to eternity. So we're not talking about a physical sense, but what we are talking about is you can make the focus on Him bigger in your life. And your struggle, our struggle is never about convincing God to help us, heal us, deliver us. You don't have to convince God to do any of that because he already is and that's already his heart. And I think sometimes like when we, it says that Jehoshaphat called the nation to a fast. I think a lot of times we think we have to fast to convince God to do something for us. But you don't fast to change God's mind. His mind is already for you. His mind is already victory. His mind is already health. I'm not fasting, so I'm like, please, 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 God, break me out of this. I'm fasting because i got to get myself out of the way. Yeah. Right? We fast. We fast on the, the physical things so we can feast on the spiritual things that God wants to reveal to us. Right? So it's not about convincing God to do something for you. The struggle comes because we look at the problem more than we focus on the provider and the protector. In our prayer times, we still just shout out all the problems and the things that we don't understand instead of focusing on, God, this is who you are. God, this is what you've done already in my life. God, this is what you did last week. God, I know this is what you're going to do. If you did it before, you can do it again. I don't even care if it's an issue that I had in my life. I love listening to people's testimonies because it just makes faith rise up in me to say, God, if you did it then, you're going to do it again because that's your heart. What we magnify, what we focus on will get big. Think about it with relationships with people. If we have an offense with somebody, if we have unforgiveness towards somebody, if there's unresolved conflict, do you think about maybe just one statement or one sentence or one look that you've gotten from somebody that you just have unresolved conflict and how much that fills your mind and your heart. It could be one thing that your alcoholic dad said when you were like 12. And it has the ability to dictate decisions. It has the ability to control your mood, your outlook of yourself, the decisions that you make throughout your life, it's, because, it's not because that statement was necessarily huge. It's that we focus on it so much nonstop that it's become the main issue of our, of our life. And what I love about the voice of the Lord is He causes us to step back a few steps and gain Perspective. And say, I'm not discounting the pain that that caused, but I am here to tell you today that that one statement is not designed to control your life. I'm here to lead your life. And so let's pull back the curtain a little bit and so you can see the bigger picture. That's why it's so important to spend time in the presence of God. We've got to value His voice because His voice is the one that can give perspective when we're so hyper-focused on something that we can't get our mind off of it. magnify the Lord together. The enemy's greatest and most effective weapon against us can be distraction, confusion, a multiplicity of voices, and the inability for us to sit still and listen. We live in this distraction-oriented world. Everything's just constantly pulling and vying for our attention. And instead of taking time to inquire of the Lord, to magnify who the Lord is, because we call it a waste of time. I don't got time to sit around for an hour and just like listen to worship music. Okay. Well, God, who's the creator of time, I'm sure there's going to be some time in your schedule to figure it out. Right? But we got time for everything else. We feel like saying that we're busy is like a badge of honor. Oh, I've been so busy this week. Well, that's true. It's been a busy week, but there was a lot of free time. Like, when I think about it, like, what Netflix show did I just binge? (laughs) What, like, three movies did I just watch in the last two and a half days? You know? It's like we we use these things as an excuse to put a Band-Aid on the problem. We say we value the presence of the Lord, but at the same time, we're saying, just give me some Netflix. Give me some Disney Plus. woo! All the Disney movies in one place. you got to be kidding me. And a new Star Wars show, everything's trying to grab for your attention. And not saying that that stuff is evil. I'm just saying we have to manage what we're doing with our time. And we have to be honest enough with our own heart to say, am I really doing this for entertainment? Or am I doing it because I just want to avoid the real issues? Right? How much TV time do I need? How much Instagram feed do I really need? I'm just going to take some time to see what everybody else is doing. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down for all of you news watchers, including myself. I've been convicted of this so many times. And my wife tells me to shut up because I'll scream at the TV over things. How much, t- how much news time do I really need to get angry at everybody else? And get on my soapbox in the middle of my living room where my two-year-old and my four-year-old are like, dad's crazy because nobody else is listening and say that's why this is happening and that's evil and that's from the pit of hell and i can scream at my tv all i want and i can get angry 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 and not deal with the anger that i feel toward myself yeah. right. i it just feels better to get angry at everybody else instead of deal with the anger and the angst that's in my own heart and jesus is constantly whispering like shut it down it's not helping It's not healthy for your soul to do this. Please listen to me, Ryan, son, let's talk. Retail therapy. It's not just, it's not a bad thing. It's not just for the ladies either. How much stuff do we really need to feel satisfied with life? And I'm not here preaching like poverty as Christians. God wants you to have nice things, but how many of those nice things cover up the real issues in our life? You know, it's like, how how much nicer does the house need to look or be? How much bigger does it need to be? How, How nice is the car running? How much nicer does it need to be in order for me to feel satisfied with my life? How much bigger does the boat need to be until I'm happy again? What other toy do I need for this winter so I don't feel depressed like I was last winter? Do we really assume that it's the stuff that's the problem? Sorry if that hit a little too close. It's as we set time aside in the secret place, a place that we've dedicated personally one-on-one with the Lord to value His voice and to seek Him out and think, that's what's going to fill up the tank. Right? That's why the Bible says your word is like honey to my lips. It brings the satisfaction. It fills me up. It calms me down. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I value our time together. Amen? Amen. All right, number two. got to stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. Second Chronicles 20, 17. God said, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Good. What I love about this is the battle is not ours, but the Lord says you do need to take your position. Wow. Right. Decide what side of the line you're going to stand on. Are you going to stand boldly in faith in who I am? or Are you going to hem and haw and go back and forth between your own opinions and your experiences and the time this didn't work the last year, right? Or are you going to stand and take your position and say, I know who's fighting for me and it's God this time. Good. Good. Take the position of faith over discouragement and fear. Faith also, I have to say this, is not about denying facts, I know a lot of people who think, a lot of Christians who think, the way that you stand in faith is just to deny that anything's happening. Oh, yeah, no, God's the God of provision. I don't got money problems. I think you do, son. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the doctor told me that this is my, that I'm going to have a heart attack, but I don't believe that. Well, the doctor told me that I got stage four cancer, but I'm just, I'm not claiming it. Okay, I understand. And please, hear my heart standing in faith, but we, it's not about denying these things that are present. It's about standing in faith over those things, right? It's not, it, it's what Abraham did and what he got commended for is the Bible says Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead. Yeah. I'm 100 years old and I'm still waiting for a son. That's a fact. I'm not going to walk around and pretend like I'm 20. And I'm going to face the fact that my wife is like 90. But as I deal with the fact, I'm also at the same time going to believe that God, despite the fact, has the power to do what he said he would do. Amen? Amen. That's how his faith got built as he waited 25 years for a son. He didn't waver in discouragement and unbelief. It says his faith grew as he waited. Back. We stand in faith according to the word of the Lord. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word for hearing in this verse is the word rhema, which means that which is uttered by the living voice. Faith is comes by hearing the living voice of God and hearing by His Word. That's why it's so important to spend time in the secret place to hear what God is saying to you now in this season. And He always lines it up with the Word of God. But what I'm saying is the Word that He spoke over you 20 years ago isn't necessarily the Word that He's going to use to win this victory for you tomorrow. He says, listen to what I'm speaking right now. What am I saying right now? And one of the biggest hindrances we can have to faith in many situations is what we think we already know about God. (laughs) This is how I saw God work the last time this happened. Oh, that's cool. And he might do it a completely different way just to mess with you. I've been praying for this breakthrough for years and it hasn't happened. God's not going to do it because he's not in it. Stop asking. I've seen churches try this before and God wasn't in it then. He won't be in it this time. It's all the stuff that we assume we know about how God works. That sometimes is the biggest limitation to our faith. God will not box himself into your experiences or even the way he chose to show himself before. Because what he values more than anything is your time with him. That's
1: right.
0: Seeking his face, hearing what he has to say on the situation now. Prioritize time in the presence. It's where we hear the now word. That's
1: right.
0: I can remember about three years ago, and I know some of you have heard this story, so forgive me if it's getting old, but it's just, it was one of those vast army moments. My dad gets diagnosed with. Uh, bone cancer, and he goes in for treatment and gets the stem cell transplant, and everything's good, and I get a text that says the neutrophil level, this is like the immune system count after the transplant, they're they're like, neutrophil, it sounds like a breakfast cereal, (laughs) Um, but it's how they measure how good your immune system's doing, and so their mom texts, and she's like, they want it to be like over 400. Over 400 would be great. And then we get a text back a few hours later, and I'm sitting at home, and she said, it said 800. Like double. And I remember in my time with the Lord the next day, he just whispered to me, I want you to look up what the, word, what, what the number 800 means. And he showed me, he said, eight, that's the number of new beginnings in the Bible. It's a new beginning, but 800 is the number for covenant. And I just heard the Lord clear as day say, this is a new season for your dad. It's a new season for your family. It doesn't matter what the facts are. The fact is, I'm in covenant with your dad. I'm in covenant with you. I'm in covenant with your family, so you remember that. And I cannot tell you how many times being able to stand and remember that word in the seasons where i felt discouraged. i felt fear. The enemy comes and shoots an arrow at me and says, hey, uh, your DNA is linked to his. What makes you think you won't escape this later in life? What makes you think at 55 you might not get diagnosed with the same thing? And I can't, I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with that fear. What's coming after me? And then I remember the word. Remember who you're in covenant with. Amen? Amen? Prioritize time in the presence. Could I get the worship team to come back up? And then number three, we get to stand up against the enemy. In Second Chronicles 20, it tells us that some Levites um, stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I love it. They stood up and what? They praised the Lord. And then it goes on to say, in verses 21-22, through after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. Now get this. You think this is so stupid. Who sends a bunch of fiddlers out in front of the army to face the horde? Well, it's the wisdom of God. I don't want you to think of a little revolutionary war style, nothing against them, fiddler and little drum player, just like three guys, as people are getting like nailed by gunshots, falling all around them, and they're just trying to keep it together. We're not talking about human sacrifice here. We're talking about full-on thunderous praise. King Jehoshaphat said, you show him the might of God by how loud you praise me today. Right? It wasn't just this little nervous. It was, we will declare who God is. We're going to celebrate past victories. We're going to celebrate this victory even though we haven't seen it yet because that's who God is. And get what it says next. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. And then the story ends like this. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. So, the principle is you take your stand against the vast army in praise and worship to the Father, and you watch him fight for you because it's his battle. It's His glory. He's the one that's going to receive the glory and the praise. He's the one who continues to stand in the face of the enemy and say, You will continue to harass them, but you will not win. Because they are mine. Here's one for you. Write this down. Tweet it out. Instagram post it. When the enemy ambushes you with the vast armies in your life, determined to set an ambush of praise against him. And watch what God will do. That's fine. The enemy wants to set an ambush. We set an ambush back and it's called praise to who God is. I love this quote. This is from Dave Patterson in California. He says, when we are willing to do the ridiculous, God will do the miraculous. (laughs) Did you get that? In my natural mind, praising when I don't yet see the victory and praising when I haven't seen the promise fulfilled, in my mind and in my emotions, my soul is going to tell me this is ridiculous. What is this? Just some kind of big hype fest? You're just trying to get me to feel better about my miserable, crappy life and tell me to jump around and shout praises to God. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you to do because I didn't make it up. God did. That's why King David said, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and everything that is within me. He said, Shut up, whiner. Get out of your bed today. Roll out of bed. Get up. Believe that God is for you because he is. Don't let depression, don't let discouragement just keep you locked in a cell of your own making. Get up and praise the Lord. Can we do that today? Sometimes it just doesn't make sense, but with God, it makes total sense. And I want to tell you something. The enemy is totally scared of full-on, Holy Spirit-led, heartfelt praise in the midst of the waiting in the midst of the struggle huh. you ready yes. I don't know I told Steve this, this when I saw this song on the schedule for this weekend I said man there's something on this song for today something on this song for breakthrough your presence is an open door so come now Lord like never before. Not like you came 50 years ago, not like you came 30 years ago. It's what you wanna do today that I'm interested in. So can we just like, like really get into some praise before we leave this place? I don't want this just to be like sing along songs so we can wrap up the service with a nice little bow. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, that thing, the addiction, the depression, the burden that I've been carrying, this vast army that I've been fearful of and hiding out in the corner over, today I'm going to stand in the face of my enemy and say, no more. You will see the Lord triumph over you today through my praise. Amen? Amen. Okay. Father God, we give our praise to you. We give our worship to you because we choose to worship the one true God and we're not going to give any more worth to the problem. We're not going to give any more value to the problem, the anxiety, the fear the depression, the, man, I wish it was the way it was before, because we're interested in what you have for the future. God, we're interested in you moving us from faith to faith and glory to glory. We're not going to settle for mediocre. We're not going to settle for a little bit of bondage. We're going to settle only for total, complete freedom, because you want to annihilate our enemy more than we do sometimes. And so in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the fight, when the vast army is threatening us, we choose to lift our voice and our heart in praise and worship to you. We're going to celebrate you today for who you are and what you've done and what you're going to continue to do in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship together. I give you glory for all
1: Your grace has been enough. And I'm believing the best is yet to come. The cross before me, my whole on things above. And in you, Jesus, the best is yet to come. So come, down Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. We want You, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open So come now, Lord, like never
0: before. Amen. 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 Let praise and worship set the atmosphere over your life. That's what true praise and worship does. It shifts the atmosphere out of unbelief and out of doubt and out of all the history that hasn't worked before. And it sets the focus back on who the Father is and what He wants to do now. So Father, I just pray for every situation represented in this room. I pray breakthrough over every heart that needs a breakthrough. Over every heart that's anxious and angry and hurt and wounded. God, I just break off I just feel to break off weariness in the name of Jesus right now. For those who want to stand in faith, who, who, who love you, who believe you, who want what you want, but we're just weary. We're weary from the fight. We're, we're wondering how many more prayers do I got to pray. We just break off weariness because we know that by faith we can have supernatural strength and stamina and energy to fight the war that you've called us to fight. So I ask for your grace, grace upon grace to continue to fight, continue to believe, continue to hope. I pray over family members, people in the room uh, standing in the gap for family members this morning saying, God, I just, they need to know you. They need to know your salvation. They need to know your grace. They need to know your love. We stand with them and we say breakthrough over family members that are estranged, breakthrough over family members that are addicted, that are hurting, that are in pain right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray over every person that's struggling with a physical ailment right now, whether it's a minor ache and pain or whether it's a major diagnosis that that the enemy has caused fear to come over them and say, I don't know what's going to happen. And I just declare like your word declared this morning, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are going to remain on you. Jesus. Breakthrough. We know breakthrough is coming because it's who you are. You are the God of breakthrough. And I just want to, before we close out this morning, if there's any of you in this room that have never really given your heart to Jesus, you kind of maybe floated around the church. You've heard other people talk about Him, but maybe you were just like, you know, it's just not for me church isn't for me well that's okay church might not be for you right now but Jesus is totally for you and if you are in this place this morning and in your heart you're just weary and you're saying man I'm so tired I'm so tired of trying to fight my own war and could it really be true that there's there's a God in heaven who is fighting on my behalf and I'm here to tell you yeah that story sounds too good to be true but it totally is There's a God in heaven who loves you, who thinks about you every day, who has dreams and desires that he put in your heart. And out of just the circumstances of life and just the weariness of life and even some of the choices that you've made, life has just beaten you down. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus has a fresh, brand new start for you. That whatever was in the past is in the past. And God wants you to move you towards your future in Him. And He declares over your life right now that He is fighting for you. He will continue to fight for you. All you have to do is stand and believe. Jesus, I believe. If there's anybody in the room that just wants to make that confession of faith, could you just put your hand up a little bit so I can see you? Because I just want to pray for you. Not publicly, but if there's anybody here. Well, I'm just going to declare in faith, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are fighting for us. And the only thing that we have to do is take our position with you. Just say that over your situation today, over your life today, over your family today. I am with Jesus. Can you say that with me? I am with Jesus today. And you don't have to repeat this next part. But Jesus, we choose to magnify you. Father, we choose to focus on you. When the realities of life and the the issues of life want to pull our attention from one side to the next, we are going to continue to listen to that voice from beside us saying, this is the way, walk in it. We will walk with you. We will talk with you. We're going to prioritize time in your presence. And we're going to continue to stand in faith and declare your praises and watch breakthrough come over our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, that's about it. That's about all I got left in the tank. So, bless you this week. You are blessed. Walk in victory this week. Walk in confidence. God is with you. Amen. We'll see you next time.